Okay, so welcome to uh, another edition of Block 101. Um, so this one's going to be a bit controversial. We're definitely going to divide opinion. Um, I've got a very special guest with me who's going to help me with this one uh, because, frankly, he knows more about this than I do. Um, so I'm going to welcome Kieran Benton onto the show. Uh, so, Kieran, uh, congratulations on your new job, by the way. Oh, thank you very much, Dave. That's very interesting. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're going to talk about blockchain. Um, and particularly in the context of blockchain in sports ticketing. So there's been a lot of noise about this for quite a while. Um, I'll be honest, I wanted to start this as a debate because I've been to the conferences, I've heard the talks, I've read the white papers, I've listened to the case studies, and I'm still not entirely sure if this is the future. Um, so I thought we should talk about it. Yeah. We'll put it out there. And, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Dave. I think most people don't actually even know what it is. And right. That's, that's the major problem. I think a lot of tech people don't know what it is as well, which is also part of, it, part of the problem too. Fair enough. <laughs> so, okay, so before we get into it, we should, maybe qualify what gives you the right to have the, the say on this one. <laughs> so give talk us through your experience and you know in terms of building ticketing systems, you're probably the a person well qualified to talk about this. Um, I suppose you could probably say that, yeah. So uh, I've been working in ticketing for well for probably about the same length of time as you I think, maybe maybe not quite as long, but still a long time. Um, I started out uh, filling envelopes for, uh, uh, for fulfillment for season tickets and things back way back in the day uh, and then basically moved into the tech side of things. So I, was, uh, I worked my way up uh, doing various different things at Ticketmaster, working uh, on, the, uh, on the Olympic Games, on, the, on the various different tournaments and for uh, premiership football clubs and various other bits and pieces over the years before I ended up as, as Chief Architect, which was my most recent gig uh, before moving into my new role. Uh, and so as part of that, I, I did an awful lot of kind of work looking at uh, strategy, technology strategy, and uh, evaluating new technologies as and when they come up and how applicable they are to you know, trying to get them implemented in, into ticketing, whether it's worth it and where it, where, you know, whether it isn't. Cool, okay. So I guess you'd have seen a few of these before then mm -hmm. in, in previous roles. Um, I would imagine, like me, I would guess 90% of the audience that listen to this probably don't really know that much about what blockchain is. So let's start there. So okay. what exactly is it? And like before you go into it, I'm going to challenge you and say, I, everyone that I've listened to talking about blockchain uses the words ledger and decentralized. <laughs> and that for me is always a flag that you don't really know what you're talking about. So can you explain what blockchain uh, is without using those I words? I will certainly do my best. <laughs> Although I can't promise you'll necessarily know, know any better after this, but I'll give it a go. All right. Because I think, again, this is part of the problem is that it's such a vague term that really it almost doesn't mean an awful lot sometimes as well. So um, the blockchain. So first of all, the first distinguished yeah, um, kind of major point you have to make is that the blockchain is not Bitcoin. It's not Ethereum or any of these other uh, cryptocurrencies out there. And they're actually quite different from each other. The, um, the cryptocurrencies use blockchain as part of their technology, but it's not just that which makes, which makes them cryptocurrencies. So blockchain is, and I'm not going to use another term, which isn't distributed ledger, but it's just as bad. It's something called a distributed Merkle tree. Yeah, you So basically, all that it means is you're writing away transactions like you would in a database. So like a database, you can write stuff to, you can get stuff back from it again. Uh, you can delete stuff, you can update stuff, you can change things in it. Yep. The whole point of a distributed Merkle tree or blockchain is that once you've written it away, then you can never erase that record of it. Okay. So in theory, that sounds like a great thing, right? That yep. sounds perfect. So you, know, you, you get a perfectly fantastic um, you know, list of things which have always changed. You can always go back in time and look at the history of stuff. 
Now, coming to the second point of differentiation. So every time someone talks about blockchain, they kind of talk about it being open and like, oh, anybody can, anybody can talk to us, anybody can verify whatever, whatever, whatever. And so the first thing, but the second thing you have to understand is, is that they're not all open, they're not all public. Right, okay. The ones which power uh, Bitcoin and, you know, and most of the other, I think, cryptocurrencies are public, and that's kind of the whole point then. You can go and look back through the ledger. Um, the, even, though, even with those, those, the records are often anonymized. You can't always see who did a transaction. You can see an ID and a number, but you don't necessarily know, know who that is. So it's not like a perfect, yep. you know, fantastic ledger of this person here and this person here did this thing. It's all anonymized, really, if you want it to be anyway. Um, and the vast majority are private. You can actually hire, you can buy, or you can rent from, say, Amazon in AWS or, or Azure from Microsoft a private um, um, blockchain, and you can, ah. do, you can do stuff with it. See, already I'm educated. I didn't know that. There you so go. Private blockchains. Private blockchains. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, the major property is you can't go back and change them. Okay. Which have some okay ish properties, but frankly, ones which you can often get easier in, 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 in a, in a in a much more performant way elsewhere. Um, but they've also actually got some bad properties as well, which people don't often talk about, which make them unsuited for all sorts of different information. Okay, so I guess then in the context of ticketing and what we do, mm -hmm. what you've just explained, I would jump on that and say, well, that sounds great because you know you can't go back and change things. No one can tamper with our database. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's why it's perceived to be really useful. Generally, I think that's always what's thrown out there as being the as being the, the massive positive point to it. Okay. Um, the often the use case is around the the generation of barcodes, the generation of the, the token which gets you into the event. Really. Yeah. And that's the only kind of area that I've ever looked at where it even makes any kind of sense. Really. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's some talk of doing it for say accounting and mm -hmm. using it as an accounting ledger often because it's got ledger yeah. distributed ledger. Yeah. Our words. Great. Um, but in reality, actually, accounting and, and banking even is often not, these properties are often not required anyway. So even when you're transferring money between, you, between two different accounts, say in, you know, in BACs or whatever, mm. in normal banking, that doesn't happen immediately. That happens kind of as a reconciliation process in, in the background. And everyone, it doesn't have to be fully transactional or anything else. It's actually better that it's all distributed and it all get, gets reconciled at the end of the day. So even the properties of blockchain don't work fantastically well for, for finance. So yeah, so, but back to ticketing. Uh, generation of these bar of, of barcodes or tokens or whatever, it'd be nice. You know, it's always shown as as this kind of way to stop uh, resale, effectively. Mm -hmm. Except it's missing the point. Um, you know, it, it, the whole kind of chat around it is usually something along the lines of: once you get a um, a, a ticket issued, you can't transfer it to somebody else. You can't, you know, because it's in the blockchain. You know, it's it's immutable. You can't get yeah. it, you can't transfer it to somebody else without without having to write it away somewhere and making it public for everybody. But firstly, the reality is, is that unless you've got proper access control and you're verifying everyone's identity at the, at, at the venue, that's meaningless. And I suppose you've got to look at that from the operational point of view of how realistic is that to do absolutely. with your current setup. It's absolutely, it's very rarely done these days because it's very expensive, which, mm. is, which is a, you know, it's a consideration. Um, as well as, secondly, Again, this kind of whole idea of it being open, and that you know you could maybe have uh, these all other startups kind of you know doing resale properly, but by using a centralised uh, record of the barcodes for a particular event. But that kind of takes away the point that um, ignores the point that you have to have the original owners of the tickets, i.e., usually the, the venue or the promoter, mm. want to make all of those barcodes completely public to everybody and open to everybody from the off. Right, which. 
would be great, is I'm not necessarily against. I think that's actually probably in some ways quite nice and would be good in from a tr transparency point of view. But it's the usual problem with technology where you've got uh, a technology coming in to try and solve a problem which doesn't exist. Right. Because you could solve that issue of having all the tickets all be open and be queryable and visible to everybody without using blockchain. Mm. You just need a publicly open API and, and kind of a, an ethos as a club or as a, as a venue or as a promoter and as a ticketing company to just make all of your information open. And I suppose that begs the question then, if that was necessary, then why don't people do that already? Yeah, but that's an entirely different kind of question really. <laughs> yeah, then, right? absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think you hit the nail on the head because I, I kind of look at it and think, it's a technology maybe looking for a problem to solve as opposed to there's a problem there and this is the technology to solve it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've heard from, you know, I've done a bit of research on this and I'm doing this purely, I think, you know, I want to be educated, I want to be excited. You know I love new stuff. Oh, yes. And I want to have a reason to be excited about it and I just can't find one yet. Um, I have heard a bit of negativity around it in terms of performance and it may not necessarily be the best tool for the job. Mm -hmm in the context of what we do. Is that true or is that the naysayers? It, kind of it depends on the implementation. So right. that's usually more around um, the ways in which it's used for cryptocurrency. Right. So for instance, there's, there's something called proof of work. And there's okay. like proofs of, versions of proofs of, but usually it's proof of work, which is where, uh, say for blockchain, I think I'm getting this, no, sorry, say for Bitcoin, uh, and, and I'm gonna, I don't know exactly exactly how this works, so I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit here, but um, effectively to prove that a transaction has taken place uh, on the blockchain, which is part of Bitcoin, you have to proof, prove that by having people work, do some work, i.e. some mathematical calculations on mining machines um, to kind of sign records to say that yes, that actually did happen. Right. So it's kind of a separate thing from, from blockchain in general. But having said that, um, yeah, they are used. Actually, probably the one, you, the one basically perfect way in which um, in which a blockchain idea or a distributed Merkle tree is used is in Git, which is the the, mm. the technology which usually powers basically most software uh, source control management systems these days. Yeah, yeah. That's a way to be able to prove that when I made a change to software, it was actually me; it wasn't somebody else. Right. So the whole performance angle is actually not necessarily always lined up with um, with blockchain itself. But it's all about the implementation of it, right? Okay. And a lot of the open source stuff out there, and a lot of um, kind of these uh, third-party uh, provided blockchain um, solutions come with a proof of work kind of concept to it as well. Mm -hmm. And so by using those, and yes, it is slow, and that is an issue obviously with ticketing because if you're if you're generating, um, you're selling tickets like on the day, or you're selling tickets last minute, you can't wait minutes. Yeah. Or even you know tens of seconds for for a barcode to pop out the uh, at the end. You need it instantaneously. Yeah, basically. it's not ideal. Not you ideal. Queue at your box office. Let's say <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be that great. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so, with all of that in mind, is this potentially one of these technologies that could be the answer in the future, but just not right now? You know, we hear about it all the time. I'm going to go off on one about machine learning, artificial intelligence, <laughs> VR, AR, blockchains in yeah. there. All of these things. Uh, there must be, out of all of this, there must be something that will be the future. Yep. Um, there is a potential this, this podcast won't age very well when we're all using blockchain in <laughs> another five years. I've been wrong a lot. <laughs> but, but the reality is there must be something across all of these technologies that could be the future, that will be the future. Yeah. Um, is blockchain the, the highest ranking or? Personally, I would say not. Okay. If, and that's largely because it's really old tech. 
it's not actually it's kind of been rebranded and it's it's, it's reappeared because of Bitcoin and because okay. of uh, because of cryptocurrencies. But Merkle trees have been around since the seventies. This is not you know a, a new particular piece of technology Ooh. which is uh, which has appeared. It's been rebranded. Yeah. Very very cleverly marketed in, in many circles. Uh, but it's not new, um, and so that's why I would say. Yeah, no. Not having said that, technology tends to be cyclical anyway. So you do tend to see the mm. same ideas recycled twenty years later. Yeah. Personally, I'd be a lot more excited about machine learning. I mean, that, that's overblown as well. There's not, you know, it can't be used everywhere. Yeah. But it certainly does do things which aren't possible today. Anyway. And I guess in terms of data and automation and yeah. in our line of work, that's probably a little bit more absolutely useful for us. Absolutely. And uh, even you know, just to kind of hit on a particular tech. The, the work which is going on at the moment around helping us understand like recurrent neural networks and things like that to understand how they come up with the answer. Yeah. The problem is at the moment with a lot of machine learning, you put lots of stuff into them and it comes up with an answer, but you, it can't kind of explain back to you how it came up with that. It's kind of just magic happens. Right. That's it. Yeah. So there's a lot of you know, research and effort going into understanding that, which is very exciting because that will then allow, allow its use in more areas. Because, for instance, if you're, I don't know, if you're an insurance company and you want to run machine learning to grade somebody to say whether they're going to get a higher insurance premium or not, mm. you actually can't do that because you need to be able to explain to them why. What factors yeah. you've taken into consideration to make that decision. Exactly, instead of just the black box says so. That's <laughs> necessarily always great. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, so um, last couple, we'll wrap it up then. So I guess I've seen a lot around blockchain being this silver bullet in our industry, particularly around things like security. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a bit of tr around transparency, know who has what and when and everything like that. I mean, I go, I'm maybe being a little bit cynical, but my feeling is maybe if I'm a tout, I'm just going to up my game. Mm -hmm. And rather than just having a load of plastic cards or tickets to exchange, I'm going to have devices mm -hmm. and charge people a bit more for them. Mm -hmm. um, what's the, the maybe the alternative thing? Because like if, if the solution is better security mm -hmm. or more transparency, mm -hmm. how do we solve those big problems? Sure. Massive question I mean, to finish no, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> easy, easy one to kind of reel off. I mean, I'm a big proponent of access control. I think you know, the only way in which you, you even start to approach this problem is by verifying who's turning up in some way, shape, or form. And usually as well by issuing the tickets as late as possible too. That's mm. always the thing which kind of squeezes the, the time yeah. frame that TAUs have to be able to, to be able to distribute them effectively. Mm. But having said that, there's always ways around that. So even, and people will always sell something they don't have anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, I suppose it comes, turns into a whole supply-demand equation you know, past a certain point. If, if that's not possible anymore, and every time around a town sells a ticket, then it doesn't work, then that's going to kill them pretty quickly yeah, as well. So, that's true. So that would be okay with me too. But um, yeah, you, the only way you can do is reduce that window of time that a, a town has the, the, the entry token you know, to be able to distribute to somebody else or tie it more closely to a, to a consumer. But it has its own problems as well from a privacy kind of law perspective too. You can only go so far, really. Um, mobile tickets are probably the best way for it because you can start of start to kind of sort of tie them to phones okay um, but even that is, is workaroundable you can always route a phone you can do interesting things with that too um, mm. so none of it is really perfect you can just try and reduce it the best you can and also as a promoter of venue or a club just price your tickets more effectively because okay at the end of the day like I say it's a supply demand equation if tickets are too cheap or you know and people are willing to pay the price for them mm. then that generates the market that has exist with them okay you know it's an, it's an economic problem not always just a technology one fair Cool. So to summarize then, are we convinced yet? I'm probably going to say I'm probably still not quite there. I don't know. It sounds like I don't want to speak for you, but maybe you would share that opinion. Uh, fair to say. Yeah. I'm more excited about other stuff. Yeah. OK, cool. Um, so in the interest of making this a fair and open battle, um, I'm, I'm more than happy to have this chat with someone on the other side of the fence. So I know that there are companies out there 
that are talking about this as the future. Um, I want to be educated as much as I'm sure everybody else does. And so this is a, an open invitation to any of those companies that want to come on the show, talk about why we should be listening to, to them and, and why we should be embracing blockchain for the future of the, of the ticketing industry. So um, I'm going to put it out there. If anyone wants to, to, to jump on, then please get in touch with me. Probably through LinkedIn is going to be the best way. Um, hopefully you found it useful, found it informative. And Kieran, thanks again for coming on. No worries, Dave, anytime. Awesome, nice one. So uh, thanks for tuning in and uh, I'll catch you next time. Cheers.